0: Even now, it still seems like a really nice dream. Now, to be fair, in comparison to 2020, everything from 2019 seems like a nice dream. It's still amazing, though, to remember that this actually happened. There's a new NBA champion, and it's a team from Toronto, Canada. We, the North, are now we, the champions, the Raptors... The 2019 NBA champs. I've probably played you that clip like six times on this show over the past year, but you know what? I don't care, and I'm betting you don't mind much either. And so when the Raptors came roaring back out last fall to defend their title, blowing away expectations of them, it seemed like Canada might get a second straight spring of basketball to remember. But look, we're not going to talk about anything that happened this spring today. Let's talk instead about what happened when the Raptors did finally return. The reigning champs rode into the NBA bubble and made short work out of the warm-up games that are intended to sort out who will play who in the playoffs. The Raptors are back. They are still the champs and the playoffs start Monday. This is what they've been waiting for. What their fans have been waiting for. And it's, it's special. No, not just having basketball back. Not even just having the Raptors back. But having these Raptors, these players, this coach, and this management team back. What's so special about them? Well, get ready. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings, and this is The Big Story. Michael Grange is a senior writer at Sportsnet.ca. He covers the Raptors there, and on television, and on radio, and also now on podcasts. Hi, Michael. Jordan, how are you? I'm doing really well. The NBA playoffs are about to start, and what's it like uh, for you having basketball back all of a sudden after months off? You uh, you had to shave for TV.
1: <laughs> I didn't have to. I chose to. But um, the uh, you know Elliot Friedman is one uh, one beard enough one beard per network. <laughs> but um, it's been interesting. I mean, in some ways, it's been a relief saying in sports reporting is the more stuff going on the easier it gets or the better it gets and and you know that long stretch when no one knew what was going on it, it sort of felt like covering a lockout or or one of these things where the story is really big but you don't know when it's coming or how it's coming and and now that you have a schedule in front of you people in sports we like our schedules so we like right. to know what's what's happening when it's happening uh what to focus on when to look ahead and and uh and so it's it's comforting to have a schedule again. I'd use that word.
0: We did a brief overview about uh, the return of all sports last month with uh, your colleague Donovan Bennett. But uh, specifically today, um, because the Raptors are now Canada's team, um, for people who haven't been following the return of the NBA, can you just explain um, what their return to play is like, where they are, what they're doing, et cetera?
1: Sure. Um, the NBA was is kind of almost synonymous with COVID because uh, if people recall back in March, you know, a player named Rudy, Gobert, who plays for the Utah Jazz, he was, he tested positive and the league almost instantly uh, put itself on hiatus. And it was kind of like, uh, arguably the first major institution in North America that, that took a, a really significant step and it kind of, uh, set in motion, or uh, was consistent with um, a lot of other steps that we all know have been taken since. And so, watching how the NBA would navigate, or did navigate the uh, the hiatus, so so to speak, and and then make plans to return to play was also very fascinating because um, you know all eyes were on them, and they're kind of deemed or viewed as a kind of a progressive, forward thinking organization. And they settled on this idea of a of a bubble, a quarantine bubble that uh, was on campus on part of uh, Walt Disney World Resort. The um, Not the whole thing, but a, about a third of it. That's the wide world of sports portion. And I think it's branded by ESPN as well. And so, you know, they had three basketball ready facilities on campus, a number of hotels available for players and supporting staff to be in. And, and basically they've been there now for I've kind of lost track of time but uh the teams began arriving in orlando about a week before games started which was july 30th The raptors first game was august 1st um and uh, they've been ensconced ever since it was very interesting to see and all eyes were on them could they pull it off and so there's they've got 22 teams in place a total of about 1600 people players included in this bubble and and they've been flawless there hasn't there've been no positive tests the players are tested every day there's all kinds of protocols in place for distancing and masking and um, it's kind of like this idealized world actually that uh, you know we could almost wish we were in and um, and all of this so they can play basketball and so what's happened now is uh, they reduced what was remaining of the schedule to each team would have eight games in the regular seating regular season Versus, I think the Raptors had 18 or 19 left, and um, those games were used to solidify the playoff the standings for the playoffs. And as of Monday, the playoffs will begin, and it'll look very familiar to a, you know a, a, a casual sports fan. You know, there are two conferences, one through eight. Uh, First team, first place team plays eight in each conference and they play off until the first place. The winning, the winner of the Eastern Conference plays the winner of the Western Conference. And that the winner of that seven game series is the NBA champion. So that's where we're at. Um, It's been in some ways incredibly unique, bizarre. uh, Yeah, it's I wouldn't say revolutionary, but but. You know, it's it's kind of a, a brave new world in a way. And in other ways, we're just about to get to a very, very familiar-looking basketball tournament.
0: Well, before we get to the playoffs starting, um, can you briefly, because uh, it's been a long time, just give us kind of a, a TV recap, like the last time you saw the Toronto Raptors? <laughs> you know, it was March. Everything was about to shut down. Um, what was this team doing?
1: This team was in the midst of just, you know, a beautiful season. Uh, the kind of season that I think sports fans... Who are invested in a local team dream of and as epic as last season was and all of Canada we know got swept up in the Raptors championship run and for many reasons you know it'll go down as one of the great Canadian sports moments and memories. I think a lot of people who are really invested in this team would tell you this season has been even better and it's been statistically better, so they've lost Kawhi Leonard, who a lot of people might remember, Danny Green, uh, who were kind of the newcomers who were essential pieces in, you know, the Raptors winning a title, both left in free agency, and so the projections were this team, this Ra- the Raptors team that was left would be good, competitive, but, you know, it would be the beginning of of a decline, and and we'd be kind of... Looking at a new chapter for the team. And instead, uh, you've got this team that's completely egalitarian, led by, you know, these super passionate, super smart, super um, competitive veterans surrounded by, you know, a lot of really willing and talented young players. And you know they're the truest team that you could conceive of, and they're trying literally to make NBA history as they try to repeat their their title. And uh, you know they're just on the cusp of beginning that process. So,
0: since they've come back and played a few games, how have they looked in the seeding games?
1: They've established themselves as all of the contending teams, and I guess in context, right before the season started, we established the Raptors were kind of. Thought to be a good team, a playoff team, but right. you know the real contenders for the title were the Los Angeles Clippers, who got Kawhi Leonard, the Los Angeles Lakers, who had LeBron James, and in the East, the Milwaukee Bucks, who have Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's going to be the you know win the second straight MVP award and is on the cusp of becoming the next great if he's not already great player in basketball. Right. And after that, it was kind of you know the Boston Celtics are good, and and maybe after five or six or seven teams, you'd think about the Raptors. And what's happened in these six games in this bubble environment is the Raptors have established themselves as of as the highest functioning, contending team, Uh, the team that's playing the closest to its best basketball, and uh, it's created a lot of it's opened a lot of eyes, and and their bandwagon is slowly filling.
0: As you watch those games. How, I mean, how have the games in general been, not just the Raptors? What kind of basketball is it like? It's in it's in August. Is it sloppy? And what's it like um, watching it in, in this weird, uh, empty arena with huge <laughs> digital boards
1: everywhere? Well, there's a couple of things. One, the basketball has been excellent. There's all sorts of hemming and hawing and concerns about the fitness of the players after long layoffs and everything. And I personally never really bought into that. And, you know, the players almost – without exception, came in in excellent condition, and they were able to get a lot of preparation time, even more than almost they do in a normal environment. And um, And the basketball right from the get-go has been excellent. It's been very competitive, a lot of compelling storylines, some really exciting finishes. You've had um, teams that are kind of trying desperately to, to kind of qualify for the playoffs, just do some amazing stuff led by tremendous individual performances so it's been really compelling as a tv product i would argue in some ways it's been better i mean the, you know because the 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 court is really well lit it's there's you know typically when you watch an nba game there's a, the court is really crowded the fans are almost right on the sidelines there's got photographers mm-hmm. and media right on the on the end lines and the benches are super tight there's not enough room for all the staff it's um it, you know because it's those seats near the court are really expensive. The NBA likes to sell them. And so everything else gets completely compressed. Whereas now that's obviously not an issue. There's no fans in the buildings. And so the, the court is is clean. It's crisp. It's uh, There's a lot of room. Um, and, you know, it's basically a TV studio. And so the TV production values are very high. You definitely miss, <laughs> you know, the electricity, the crowd. And, you know, when the Raptors first came back, they played the Los Angeles Lakers. And it would have been a home game in Toronto and Kyle Lowry, you know, just had a tremendous individual performance and, and you couldn't help but think what it would have been like, you know, hitting some of the shots he hit to sort of pull the game out in the fourth quarter, you know, at Scotiabank Arena. I mean, people would, it would have been bananas, right? So you missed that. I miss Drake. (laughs) I don't miss Drake, but the, (laughs) um, the, uh, you know, so you miss the atmosphere and, um, and but I think if you're at home watching on TV, it's 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 uh, you don't feel you don't feel ripped off either. I mean, it's still it's still a good thing to watch.
0: So we're talking to you now with um, a game or two left in the uh, quote unquote regular season seeding games, um, whatever you want to call it. But the reason we're talking to you is because we know already uh, who the Raptors will start their playoff. Uh, title defense against and can you uh, for people who haven't watched anything but the Raptors uh, tell me about the Brooklyn Nets? Who is this team? Uh, what are they like?
1: Yeah, so uh, the Raptors have, have locked themselves into the number two seed in in the East, and they are playing against the Brooklyn Nets, who are the seven seed. And the Brooklyn Nets are kind of team COVID. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah, they're uh, they're uh, they're short. Um, I think four of their sort of top seven or eight players, a couple due to COVID, a couple who chose not to to play because of concerns about COVID, and, uh, and a couple of other, you know, another injury or two. So so they were projected to be, you know, complete pushovers, like teams that would show up, kind of be fodder basically and, and do the best they could to get out of there as soon as they could. And uh, they've been sort of the opposite. And this is kind of a truism in the NBA is there's so many great players that when you – you know, sort of the more established ones get, you know, pushed aside either through injury or other circumstance. Um, you get guys who really aren't on the radar who just, you know, take, take their moment. And so the Nets, as I'm looking here, they've won three straight. Uh, they've been a bit of a surprise team, I would think most would say, within the bubble environment. And all of that said, they don't have a chance. <laughs> well, really? <laughs> I, I, yeah. I think, you know, they're they're a good energetic team with some some interesting individual players, but um, I think they're a team that the Raptors will handle very easily. And, you know, it really, the test for Toronto, you know, with what's remaining re- in the seeding games and and in this first round of the playoffs is make sure everyone's healthy and the team is functioning at a high level to advance beyond that.
0: So where are the Raptors likely to see then? Let's, uh, you know, and knock on wood, because this is still a, a Toronto team we're talking about. <laughs> um, knock on wood that that we smoothly uh, move past the first round. Where are the Raptors uh, likely to see their first real challenge? And what's going to be key for them when the games get tough?
1: Yeah, I think the way it projects right now is uh, the Boston Celtics, who are the third seed, presuming they uh, win their first round series. So the, the way the Eastern Conference is set up, teams one through six are very, very good, and the seven, eight, Seven and eight teams aren't so, which that's why it was important for the Raptors to, to lock up that two seed. So their first round opponent should be relatively perfunctory. The Celtics, um, who are in the third seed, who are a very good team, projected to be an NBA, you know, a championship contender right from the beginning of the season. They've got a whoever they play in the first round uh, is going to be a tough series. So presuming the Celtics win that series, that will be a, a really epic second round series and then and it's going to be a real test of of you know what I was referring to off the top where you've got a Raptors team that's very good very deep very experienced doesn't have in a way that marquee individual player who's who's known or projected for taking over games Um, and instead they kind of do it you know kind of the way we're all taught to play sports when we're kids right share the ball play for each other sacrifice for each other you know i think i think a matchup against a team like the Celtics will be the first test of that at a really really high level um and you know that's and the other thing being that that a Celtics Raptors playoff series uh has never happened ever and not happened since each huh. of these teams been very good and it's it, it is should it happen it'll be a real shame that'll be you know because it it's it's that it, it's going to happen without each team's buildings being involved because each, you know, the you know Boston Garden, TD Garden in Boston, and of course Scotiabank Arena in Toronto are two of the most electric home courts, and to have those teams, you know, buffeting back and forth in those environments would be, uh, you know, not seeing that's a, a shame for sure.
0: You kind of touched on it a, a couple of times here, but you've seen um, a ton of basketball in your career, and especially um, pretty much all uh, all iterations of the Raptors through the years. What are the things that stand out about this team? What makes them unique?
1: Yeah, and unique is a good word. I mean, usually it's not, right? It's usually yeah. things aren't really unique. But um, you know, basketball is a really interesting sport. It's it's because there's this constant tension more than most other sports between uh, individual brilliance and team dynamics, and you know, people are very familiar with the elite of the elite in basketball, be it LeBron James, Michael Jordan, um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and, 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 and on down that short list of, of, of the best of the best, because, you know, unlike hockey, unlike, you know, in hockey, the best players play only 20 minutes a night in soccer, the best players play the home game, Mm -hmm. but there's 11 of them, right? There's 11 people, 22 on the field at any given time. So it's, more difficult for one player to dominate the whole run of play. In basketball, the best players on the floor, you know, 90% of the game. And when they're on the floor, they dominate a a significant amount of play on both ends. And so traditionally, you know, no no single player wins a a championship alone. Um, There is always deep quality teams. But over time, and we're talking almost all of NBA history, but but certainly, let's go to the Jordan era, which began in the mid-80s. The best teams, NBA champions, have always had one or two Hall of Fame players, if not three, but one or two Hall of Fame players that everyone identifies with that team, that everyone knows that the most tense moments of the game are going to be make the deciding plays, and everyone else kind of supports that. So it's almost like a stage play, right? Like you've got your stars, mm-hmm. and then you've got the this, the supporting cast that makes this thing everything go smoothly. The Raptors don't have a single player like that. They are trying, and and honestly, I don't know if there's really been a team in NBA history that's tried to win a title by having everyone kind of participate equally. <laughs> Which isn't to say the Raptors don't have stars and and, and elite players and leaders. But you know, every of their top seven or eight players, everyone is almost as important as the next player, and and I think as a fan, you know, that's what makes them fun. And so defensively, they uh, they they move completely in unison. The the kind of term in basketball is they play on a string. So every single movement by every other player, every single every any movement by one player precipitates. You know, a, a, a coordinated movement by the other four defenders on the team, and you can actually see it between you as you watch it. You can say watch it, uh, kind of unfold before your eyes, and it's a kind of a beautiful thing. It, it really is fun to see, once you get cat, once you notice it, and then offensively, there's no pecking order. Uh, everyone is entitled to take a shot that's open. Everyone is, you know, regard depending on what the opposing defense is doing. Uh, everyone is sort of playing to create the best shot for the best, you know, at the right moment, regardless of who's taking it. So there's no like, okay, there's three seconds left or there's 15 seconds left. The Raptors have the ball while clear out and watch Kawhi Leonard uh, go to work, which is satisfying in a way, but now it's, there's 15 seconds left. Let's, you know, kind of run a play that, that is going to create the best outcome, regardless of whoever is going to take the shot in the end. And, and, um you know it's a fun way to to watch basketball and and it's going to be really fascinating to see if it can work at at the highest level
0: when the raptors are playing well um you know if you're a casual fan and you're coming back to the playoffs what should you be looking for at the start of a game to you know sort of figure out if they're if they're on if they're playing at their highest level um what do you want to see how do they beat teams
1: that's a good question i think i mean their identity is is, is their team defense their Depending on which measure you use, they're the number one or number two ranked defense in the NBA, have been all year, and they seem to be getting better. So, you know, right off the bat, you know, that, that what I was referring to there, just that coordination and, right. and the speed with which they can cover ground defensively is, is, a, is a great telling detail. But I think offensively, and they've been sort of a top 10, slightly worse than top 10 offense, which is good. Um, But they've shown flashes of being much better. And and I think offensively, the two things I look for are, you know, Kyle Lowry is sort of, as much as this team doesn't have a star, Kyle Lowry is its engine, its conscience, its leader. And, you know, if people look back to Game 6 of the NBA Finals when they won in Golden State, it was Kyle Lowry who opened up the scoring, scored 11 straight points. And I think when Kyle Lowry is playing great, really looking for his offense, really forcing the defense to respect him and and, uh, and he's shooting well that's when the Raptors are almost a lock <laughs> to me because the you know he is sort of the kind of uh, the engine that, that makes everything go and when he's shooting really well, it just makes life so difficult because then the defense has to react to him and he is just so unselfish in terms of creating place for his teammates around who in turn have more space and uh, things everything everything really flows from there
0: and when they lose um, where do they fall short uh, you know we've talked we've talked about them being a complete team what's their weakness
1: they rely i mean they're a very modern team and they rely on uh, on three point shooting in high volume and i say modern you know back in in the old days right like uh, you know you had a big center and you posted him up as close to the basket as you could and you pitched mm-hmm. to him and and uh, waited him to score two points and and in the last 3 4 5 years especially um, Offensives have said, you know what? If we put up more three-point shots, and then you know they're obviously more valuable. And so, uh, you know, if we can s- score those at a reasonable rate, then um, you know our f- offense is more efficient. The Raptors subscribe, subscribe to that completely, but it's it's kind of a high variance strategy, as as this you know the stat wonks would say. So um, they've had games this year where they've you know shot six for 40 <laughs> from the three point line. Right. It looks horrible. And, and, you know, they, they're the same shots. The, the guys are still open. Their feet are set and it's still a difficult shot. And, and, and you kind of make them in bunches and you can miss them in clusters as well. And so that's uh that can be a really frustrating experience to watch a team playing really well, seemingly doing the right things and clang, 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 clang. <laughs> you know, they're, they're getting beat by 15. So Um, that's, that's, I would say is, is, is where they, they might struggle. And then it'll be interesting to see if offensively, or I should say really if defensive, what does happen in, in the playoffs as you play better teams that have more superstar talent, um, and they in turn play more of the game, they aren't trying to rest them anymore. They're going to play them, you know, 40, 42 minutes, um, can, you know, at, at a certain point, that just becomes a really heavy burden for any defense. And and so that'll be interesting to see if the Raptors' kind of equal opportunity strategy can hold up against, you know, sheer talent and brilliance uh, that, you know, eventually you're going to run into if you're going to try and win an NBA title.
0: I won't ask you uh, to make a prediction, but if I had to ask, um, what is it? <laughs> if I had a- to ask
1: you, what would your prediction be? Yeah, no, no, <laughs> but
0: um, what would a... Reasonable expectation uh, for this team. I know if we asked anybody in the bubble with the Raptors, um, anything less than a repeat would be a disappointment. But, uh, you know, where, where do they need to reach for this season uh, to be a respectable follow-up to, to history last year?
1: I think as long as they get out of the first round, I think uh, they'll probably have achieved what somebody like me would have judged their potential and probably overachieved in the eyes of some. Um, I think based on what I've seen this year and what I've seen lately, I think it's reasonable to think the the Raptors can, can go to the NBA finals again. I think, um, you know, the Celtics and probably the Milwaukee Bucks, they're most likely two opponents in the second round and in the conference finals are both really good teams. And, and the Bucks have been the best team in the NBA all year by number, but I think the Raptors are well positioned. So I, I think, I think it's completely reasonable, not a lock, but completely reasonable to think the Raptors can make an NBA final. Then then you'll have your ultimate test of what I've been referring to, you know, because you're probably going to play either the Los Angeles Clippers with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, kind of two Hall of Fame level superstars, or you're going to play the Los Angeles Lakers uh, who have LeBron James and Anthony Davis who are two of the top five players in the world right now. You know, so so... Years and years and years of basketball tradition say a team like the Raptors can't beat those two teams, but the Raptors have uh, consistently proven experts like me wrong. And uh, so I don't think it's unreasonable to think the Raptors have a reasonable chance at an NBA championship again. That's uh,
0: pretty impressive and, and lofty goals, and I'm just glad to have this team back. Thanks, Michael.
1: My pleasure, Jordan.
0: Michael Grange of Sportsnet. That was The Big Story. If you would like more, including all the other times uh, that we've celebrated the Raptors championship, you can find them at thebigstorypodcast.ca. You can also find us on Twitter at thebigstoryfpn. You can, of course, write to us anytime the email address, thebigstorypodcast, that's all one word, at rci.rogers.com. And of course, as always, in every podcast player you could possibly imagine, including one called Podfather. I'm not kidding you. Claire Broussard is the lead producer of The Big Story. Ryan Clark and Stephanie Phillips are our associate producers. Annalisa Nielsen is our digital editor, and I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. We'll talk Monday. Go Raptors.